I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Today, we are joined by a brand new guest. We are joined by Brenna O'Malley. Brenna is a nationally recognized registered dietitian who practices from a non-diet and weight-inclusive approach. Brenna is passionate about helping clients heal their relationships with food and body image and change the language we use to talk about food and our bodies. She is the founder of The Wellful, a virtual private practice based in San Francisco, California. We're so excited to share this episode with you guys and enjoy. Enjoy. Hi, Brenna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for coming. We are so excited too. Today, for those who <laughs> didn't read the title, I guess, um, we are talking about Almond Moms, which we're very excited about because it is, first of all, a very niche topic. We'll kind of have Brenna explain what that really means, but it's also very trendy. So if you are up with the TikTok trends, I'm sure you've heard of Almond Moms. So we're going to go into um, what those are, kind of the the negatives behind that, like what can be the con of you know growing up with an almond mom. Um, and if you are an almond mom listening, we're gonna get some tips too on how to maybe not pass those disordered eating habits onto children. So we've got a lot to cover today. But um, Brenna, we'll have you first start by introducing yourself. What's like a day in the life like? What do you do for work, education, hobbies, all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a registered dietitian. I am from the East Coast originally. So I grew up in upstate New York and then went to school in New York City at NYU for my undergrad and did my training at um, MGH in Boston for my dietetic internship. And then lived in Bermuda for a year, which was kind of a random bit of my traveling around. Um, my brother was living there at the time and I like lived there with him for a while as I was kind of like starting to work for myself. Um, and now I'm on the West Coast. So I'm in San Francisco, um, have a private practice, the Wellful, and see mostly clients around their relationships with food, body image, um, disordered eating or eating disorders. And, um, yeah, have loved being out on the West coast. I feel like kind of aligns more with my hobbies. Like I love hiking and being outside and I can bike to the beach, which is not like a, a hot, like, you know, beach, but it's like a cold, like windy kind of bundled up beach, which is fun. Um, and camping is like something I'm newly sort of trying to get into. So that's kind of exciting. Um, day in the life is a mix of clients, um, content creation, different projects or writing admin types of things. Um, so it's like a nice, a nice mix. I kind of like try to make certain days, like, you know, more clients than, and then like have some other days that I'm doing other projects or admin and writing and stuff. So it kind of makes it a nice, a nice flow. That is so fun. How you been on both coasts. So now you can give all the like firsthand experiences of the differences. Um, <laughs> we're also both outdoorsy people. So that's very fun. We both enjoy that. Um, and we love that your private practice because we both also have our own private practice, but it's always fun to hear 
what other people are doing and kind of it's crazy how much your day-to-day changes Mm -hmm. so you mentioned content creation so we know that you and we're bringing you on as our specialist in almond moms (laughs) (laughs) so let's start off with kind of what is an almond mom if people are listening and they're like what the heck are they even talking about are these people made of almonds like what are we going to talk about today so start with that then for sure so I actually as I was thinking about this episode I was like familiar with the term from TikTok and you know the trends and everything but then I didn't know actually where it like maybe fully started from um but evidently it was like Gigi Hadid was on the phone with it's this clip I don't know if it's from like from some from the show or something but this clip of Gigi Hadid being on the phone with her mom saying she was feeling really weak and her mom responding with have a couple of almonds and chew them really well and so that is, you know, not necessarily what would really help you if you're feeling super weak, but is kind of became indicative of this like umbrella of sort of a vibe of like, quote, like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels or the idea of responding to something like, oh, you're not hungry, you're just thirsty or, um, you know, we don't keep snacks in the house. or we're like a quote ingredients only household where maybe, you know, you don't have ice cream or dessert, but you have like cacao nibs or like dark chocolate chips. And that was like the sweet thing that was around. Um, so it's like pretty, it, I mean, it's, it's definitely like meant to be, I think like a comical lens on this thing. That's obviously a bit heavier and kind of darker, which is like kind of this like normalized disordered eating or these disordered messages, um, pretty heavy diet talk that would be coming from this. Um, and a lot of the like point of views are coming from like the moms, like kids or like people who are around these like quote unquote almond moms, um, kind of saying like, oh, I'm out to dinner with her family and my, like everyone ordered burgers and like, you know, mom is like having like this like small side salad. And I think it's kind of speaks to this, like, I also like, tough, I think generational piece of, I don't know if you two experience this, but I find it's interesting to different clients that I work with. Like I work with clients of a lot of different ages and I find that clients who are like under 30 or under 35 have like much more um, like language and awareness and like peers who are also being critical of diet culture and of these messages and of disordered eating. And like, that's like more in their like vocabulary and they can, you know, make joke about it and identify it. And then my clients who are like 45 or older, I feel like there's like this feeling of almost so few, like so few of these conversations for them growing up and it was so normalized. And now it's like sort of this um, period of like, there was like no conversation. And this is like so new to talk about. And like, now I think peers are also talking about it, but it feels like there's like this 30 year gap where there was less awareness. Um, So just to say, I think there's like, we have compassion, I think for the almond moms as well. in this conversation, but I, I think that's what I've seen as um, a lot of the talk and kind of descriptors around the, the trend or, or the things that are out there about it. With the age gap thing you mentioned, it's so true. I work part-time uh, as a clinical outpatient dietitian. And so I tend to see like a really big range there, of course, more so than I do my private practice clients. Um, but I have some patients who are like 75, like even like 80 and they're sometimes one of the hardest nuts to crack in terms of like that diet culture mindset. They have been living that way for like 40 plus years. So that's such a good, a good point to bring up for sure. And it is really nice that the like less than 30, less than 35 crowd 
is kind of grasping that critical thinking part of it because it's not only makes it a little bit easier to like work with and kind of change their mindset around it, but also just like the exposure that they probably see a lot more on social media and a lot more discussions around what diet culture is things with like a non-diet approach. But yeah, it's so tough when they're older and it's just like all they know, it's not their fault. It's they grew up with like, I feel like I'm blanking on all the like 60s, 70s, 80s diet culture. Trends. I mean, corsets and that's kind of low fat diets. I mean, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a couple common phrases and a couple, some that I wanted to point out where I feel like the chocolate chips were something that anyone who had like a almond mom in the household has like a core memory of. I, I don't, I don't know if my mom listens podcast but she'll be okay if I say this but I distinctly remember like chocolate chips was like a suite of mine I would go to all the time if I wanted anything sweet in the house growing up um and then also the salads I think that's also a common almost like comedic play online where people like always like show what they're eating and then they show their mom like with like this tiny plate of salad or like sometimes they even like will somehow convince the mom to put almonds on the plate I've seen that before I'm like how did you convince them to do that but uh, they're very real situations that happen despite kind of the comedic relief around it I'm trying are there other common phase phrases that you can think of that almond moms might say or examples of yeah, I think some are, you know, I think like the homemade snacks instead of like store-bought snacks, like chips that are homemade instead of buying them at the store or, you know, maybe like a common thing of like cleanses being a thing that were like juice cleanses or um, like really particular around meals or not eating between meals. I think some of them were, you know, I think the trend kind of touches on like some things that the mom, like a mom specifically would be doing. And then some things that are, end up being sort of a household like thing, like, oh, we don't eat, you know, we're about to have dinner, no eating before dinner. Like, you know, we're, we're about to eat that sort of a thing or morality around food or just judgment around food, which I think we also know from like working in this field, that a lot of the times someone else is like, you know, what they say is their food rules or like things that they might be expressing judgment around are often very reflective of like what's going on for them internally around their own thoughts around food or their own judgments. Um, and so sometimes that's like comes out in like, you know, body comments about themselves or about like, you know, their kids, just because I think we have this whole like mom kid kind of dynamic going. Um, but anyone who's around, like sometimes that's like rules around Halloween candy or sweets in particular, um, or, you know, just the like mental piece of maybe if you grew up in like an almond mom household, maybe friends houses felt like they had the fun foods that you could actually snack on or wanted to snack on versus like your own house maybe didn't really feel like that. Yep. (laughs) Yep. To all of that. Uh, (laughs) I, I think it's a good segue actually, because these things might seem to some people like the healthy thing to do. Like, you know, to have homemade chips instead of regular chips in the house. So our next question kind of goes right along with that. And will you help explain to listeners who do view these things maybe as like healthy and a little bit confused why it's a problem? Like, 
how could this be a problem for almond moms, so to speak, to pass these behaviors on to children? Yeah, I think I think when we think about relationships with food, I think a lot of the traits and phrases or characteristics of like this caricature we're sort of thinking of is the like the rigidity around it or the inflexibility, the judgment, the harshness, um, and like the in like the like morality that comes with it and that the stakes are really high. And I think that when we think about you know, risk for disordered eating and like kind of the the trajectory of that. I think we know that like dieting is like one of the best predictors of, you know, like resulting in disordered eating or an eating disorder. And I think that even when these things are coming from a positive place, it's not to say that, you know, having any sort of like rule or um, preference around foods or, you know, deciding when you serve meals in your house or what foods you have in your house is like inherently going to lead to some like, you know, devastating consequence. But I think like in the context of this, we're sort of looking at like a lot of rules, heavy judgment, um, strictness, a real difference also in just like social eating. Like if you're eating with a group of people and one person who's like a role model for you, like a parent or a caregiver is like eating much differently. Um, and you're like noticing that behavior, you're kind of like or being influenced by that too. Right. Even if maybe they say, oh, this is just about me, you don't need to do this, or maybe like you don't need to do this quote yet, which I think is another common message that kids get sometimes. Um, is like that you you learn from that and you kind of take that with you, and that influences your own relationship with food too. Yeah, and you look up to that person too a lot of times, and so if mom is doing the paleo diet because she hates the way her belly looks or whatever it is. You hear her say those things and you think it's the right thing to do. So I was, this is not a question on here. This is I'm we're deterring already and this is not the topic. So we don't have to go in depth with it, but is there a term for like dads? Like there's like almond moms, but I haven't heard many phrases about like not almond dads. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, I think something I think is interesting about this whole piece is I think it puts so much emphasis on like, you know, in particular, like women who also do feel like the brunt, I think of um, like a lot of diet and like beauty and thinness messages too. Not to say that like other people don't, they for sure do. But um, so I think it's like interesting too, that it has been labeled in that way, because it's like, you're kind of like, who's maybe experiencing a lot of this and like reacting to it or trying to um, like navigate through it by maybe following some of these pieces because that's like how people are also like treated better when in body sizes and like look a certain way. Um, But I don't know about the dad. I have seen like some like one-off sort of trends of like someone being like a response to this and being like, you have an almond mom, I have like, and then it's some other phrase that's like, their parents' name. And it's like either a mom or dad or someone who's, um, like incurred, like always giving them like access to food and like, doesn't have food rules and has like this like lovely relationship with, um, food. But so I haven't seen like an exact, like flipped trend, but I've seen some like lovely videos <laughs> around, around it generally. They're refreshing to see that mm-hmm. maybe, I oftentimes like to send Hannah videos that like are very psychology focused and like 
tell you things that like you don't realize until it's right in front of you and you're like, oh, that makes sense to why I'm this way. I'm waiting for a dad trend one where like someone pieces together this dad character and like, mm-hmm. and people realize that. Because mm-hmm. I know the mom's enough, there's a lot on their plate. So online moms do have their flaws, but I think equal criticism is important here. Mm-hmm. So, all right done we're done deterring we'll go back (laughs) now so how can our listeners with almond moms protect themselves from potentially developing disordered eating or if they've already started to kind of pick up some of those habits focus on improving their relationship with food I think a lot of that comes from like it depends. And if you're still like, let's say like living in the same household as like your almond parent or, you know, like this influence, um, cause it can all a sibling. It could be like a friend, you know, I think that this kind of title is like catchy with almond mom, but it really is like someone who's engaging in a lot of these behaviors and sort of like intentionally or not intentionally kind of like pushing them a little bit on you or you're around them a lot. Um, So I would say if you're still, if you're out of the house, like you're no longer living in the same space, then I think like a lot of it might be boundaries. Um, Figuring out what that means to you is that um, like working on maybe when you're out of the house, like trust with your own relationship with food, figuring out what this looks like for you, kind of separating out. Is this my food rule? Is this like someone else's food rule? Is this something that's been an example for me? Is this something that I have just always kind of done because this is how food was taught to me. And this is, you know, how I make my salad. And this is how I decide how much dressing to use. And this is what I say to myself when I'm hungry in between meals and sort of checking in on some of that dialogue, which is a lot of work. Like that's hard to notice that and to um, check in on that. But it also sort of brings it back to like centering you in your choices around food um, because you know, if you have all these different influences, it's kind of like, okay, how can we sort of figure out what you actually like and what actually feels good to you? Um, if you're still in the household, I think then it's maybe like a bit different, like kind of figuring out how to sort of say, this is about, you know, this is about them. This is not about me. Or I'm like working on figuring out my own relationship with food, or maybe you talk to other people in the house and try to like, get some support for yourself or like have like an ally in, you know, the way that maybe you're making choices around food. And like this person is making choices around food, whether it's your mom or someone else, um, kind of allowing there to be some separation that you can both sort of like try to be more parallel instead of, you know, super tied in that way. I like that you gave the, like both in the household example, because sometimes you can't leave the house and the out of household example too. Let's kind of turn it on the flip side then. You provided really great advice and great first steps for someone who might be living around. I love, I like the almond parent because that's a very good way to put it. Or the almond relative. because The almond caregiver. Almond (laughs) caregiver. (laughs) What are kind of some steps for our listeners who maybe are mothers or future mothers and they want to kind of prevent on disordered eating habits or eating 
disordered eating behaviors to their children, what would you advise them to kind of focus on? Yeah, I would say that this is like maybe one of the most common things that clients say when they like reach out to work with me is that either they have kids like their own that they want to like be sure they're not passing this on to you or they just think about in the future, whether it's like having their own kids or just being around anyone young and like it's like a really important value to them that they like don't pass this on and like do this work for themselves. So I would say that's like a really good place to start is um, like working on your own relationship with food, because I think as, cause I think even if you think of it as, you know, I think sometimes we can have this thought of like, oh, I would really like to, you know, work, do this, you know, not pass this on to someone else. Right. And it's like, maybe you think of it as like, oh, because for their benefit, because this was hard for me when someone passed this on to me. And I think kind of giving yourself the credit of like, it would also be nice to give that to yourself. Even if you're an adult now, like give yourself that piece of like your relationship with food, even if your end goal is that you're not passing that on, but also like you'd be benefiting from that too. So I would say that piece of like exploring what your own relationship with food is like, and like what kind of feels like it did trickle in or, you know, what's, what's that like for you and giving yourself that space um, to like either like check in on some of those rules again, or notice the patterns that feel really similar to those things that you would like to break or change. And then also exploring what it would be like for you to eat and like live and have a relationship with food in your body outside of that. And like the space can come without, you know, with that or the brain space or the flexibility or those different pieces too. Um, I love that. I think that's, like some really good things to kind of unpack and think about. And I hear that too, from patients and clients that a lot of times the mothers like really, especially like in the age group we talked about earlier, like that 25 to like 40 ish range, I tend to understand they might have those tendencies and food rules. And if they are mothers or want to become mothers, they, they do have that as like almost like a motivation to kind of unlearn those negative behaviors and um, improve that relationship with food. So those are some good things for them to think about if that is their, their end goal. Brenna, we always like to end our episodes with kind of letting you share your final thoughts. We joke that if our listeners were to only tune in for this part of the episode, what would you kind of want them to take away from all of this? I think if you're an, like if you are identifying as an almond mom, almond person, um, as in like, maybe you're noticing within yourself, like a lot of these like rigid rules and behaviors, and maybe, you know, even feeling like, oh my gosh, I've like, you know, passed this on or been this example for other people. I think like giving yourself some grace and kind of like that it takes a lot of awareness and like, it's hard to check in on those pieces too. And to like, you know, notice that about yourself, I think takes a lot. Um, and that like whatever age you're at as well, like whether this is something you're thinking about right now, you're experiencing a lot of pressure around your relationship with food and feeling like this is an example for you, or you're feeling like I've been eating my whole life. And I've just like, you know, been like full of all of these rules for so long that I think that all three of us can probably say that we've seen like people be able to change their relationships with food at a lot of different ages. And that, um, it's not like a lost cause or something that like you're destined to also like repeat that you can kind of like break that cycle of dieting, or you can work on this 
for yourself. Um, and I think that the awareness around it and like the levity of like comedic things like this, like trend on like TikTok are nice and that they raise awareness about something and kind of poke some holes in it and give us something to chew on for, you know, a better word um, and kind of think about how that might be related to, to you or something that's important to you. Yeah. I meant to say that earlier. Um, you mentioned how like it can be a really heavy, dense topic and this kind of brings it into like a more humorous light. There's pros and cons to that, of course. I mean, when we do kind of like humorize such deep topics, it can sometimes miss a lot of aspects of it. But I think the big pro is that it kind of makes it more trendy, more accessible, more talked about. And so it is kind of a good thing that it is being more discussed. And I think that was a good way to kind of sum it all up. I think that was really good. I love that. Hello guys, we are so sorry for abruptly cutting off this episode, but this is the end of our chat with Brenna. If you want to hear our bonus question with her, be sure to tune into our monthly subscription, the Beat Deets bonus subscription. Very on theme with today's topic, we speak with Brenna about what is the best type of nut. Very riveting content. So be sure to listen into that if you're interested, along with getting all of our bonus questions with both Emily and I ourselves and with our guests as well. Um, we also have a private Facebook group and we are hoping to just continue to have more offerings for those who are subscribing to the Beat Deets. So thank you again for tuning in to this episode with Brenna. If you want to check her out, be sure to go find all of her things in the show notes. She's a great person to follow on social media. We highly recommend. And otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.